All right, church family, if you guys are thankful to be in the house this morning, let's give God some more praise. He's worthy. Amen. Yeah. And I hope everybody's doing well. How many of you guys appreciate daylight savings? Anybody appreciates that you either don't have kids or a real job? <laughs> I'm joking. You probably have a real job, but you're not getting up every morning because my kids, it don't matter if it's daylight savings time. I get up early on Sunday mornings. My entire family was awake this morning when I was leaving the house, just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I was like, the government just torturing us, reminding us once again that we have kids. But it is good to be in church, though. Uh, We are interceding and praying for all the LSU fans. We know you guys had a really tough night last night. (laughs) Woo! But we're going to move on from that. God can heal. Turn in your Bible to Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Today we're starting a new series called Guardrails. We're going to be talking about different things the Lord puts in place to keep us safe and to give us grace and mercy. And today I'm going to be talking about something that all of us walk through, and that is seasons. We all walk through seasons, and I think it's important that we approach those seasons with a godly biblical mindset on what God would want to do to help us to successfully navigate the different seasons in life. When God created the earth, he, can't, he kind of made this covenant, even around creation, that would help us know his goodness, help us know his grace. And in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, and some more heat, and a lot more heat. And then winter, and then summer, and then day, and then night. And, and I think it's so important that we see this scripture for what God is saying because he's talking about creation, he's talking about nature, but he's also talking about his promise, his promise and his covenant with the other seasons of life that we'll go through. In other words, there will be change. There will be change. How many of you guys appreciate fall weather? Fall weather, anybody in the house? Well, sorry, you don't get to experience it in Arkansas. Because what we got in Arkansas is it's just hot. It's real hot and it's hot for a really long time. You take a nap and it's winter. That's how it works around here. That's just what we got. When I grew up in Colorado, like we had seasons, like actual seasons, like four seasons where the temperature would gradually change and it allowed for trees to actually change colors and stuff without just dying and all the leaves falling off. But but there's also seasons in life. But around nature, nature teaches us a lot about the importance of these seasons. Any farmers in the house or grew up around farms? Anybody work around the farming industry? I know we've got some people who do that. Well, here's the deal. When, when it comes to farming, if you talk to a farmer, they appreciate the changing of seasons because they know without the changing of seasons that they don't get a good crop. In fact, farmers, most farmers, depending on their crop, they appreciate hard winters. Hard winters where it's really, really cold because they understand that in the midst of that cold, you can't see it on the surface. But underneath, there's some things that have to die. There's some things that have to go away. There's pathogens that have to die in order for the next crop and the next harvest to be healthy. Well, I find the same is true in the seasons of life. 
There are seasons where it will feel like a bitter winter, where it seems like everything on the surface is desolate and dying. But there are some things sometimes that are on the underneath that need to die too in order that when the new season comes, our life can produce fruit again, can produce what God would want it to produce again. In Ecclesiastes 3.1, it says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. So there's seasons in nature, but there's also seasons of human activity. There's seasons in our lives. The new contemporary version says it this way, everything on earth has its special season, a special season. I want to talk about some facts about these different seasons. First of all, they are beyond my control. They are beyond my control. You can't control when they happen. You can't control how long they happen. You can't control the location of where they happen. You can't put them on a calendar. In fact, these seasons a lot of time completely disrupt everything that you had planned. You can feel like, man, things are really well organized. We're running along like a well-oiled machine. All of a sudden, a season will come and everything is disrupted. It doesn't matter what you were planning on doing. A sick child, a sick relative, tragedy, financial issues. A season comes and all of a sudden, it doesn't matter what you had planned. You're in a season. It's happening. And when you enter a new season, your schedule gets thrown out the door, your plans evaporate, and you're just there trying to figure out how to deal with it. Parenting is a season. And I find that within parenting, there are seasons to the seasons to the seasons of parenting. You know, when somebody has a new kid, brand new baby, they have 60 pounds of equipment they have to carry everywhere with them. They have one child, but it is an act of Congress to get outside of their door, to go anywhere, to do anything. But in that season, you know, the baby's so cute, adorable. They look like a Pinterest picture everywhere they go. And then they become toddlers. (laughs) And they lose that baby smell. And they lose those cute little fat rolls. And that is when kids begin to depreciate in value. (laughs) And then people say, just wait, soon they'll be in school. And you think, man, that's gonna, that's gonna be nice. The problem is when they go to school, guess what? You have to go through school again too. Common core math. What in the world is happening to our nation? I mean, the things, the, things that my, the things my daughter is learning right now are all the things I cheated to get through in school. And there is nobody to bail me out. And I think God is just in heaven laughing at me like that's what you get. Thankfully, their mom was a good student. One thing about seasons is some speed by and others just drag on like they're never going to end. When I was growing up, that's how it was for me in school. Like I was thinking, 
grade school was tough for me, you know, so I was like, man, I just can't wait to get to junior high. It's just going to be the best thing ever. It just took like forever, it felt like. You know, when you're a kid, it just feels like it's forever for things to happen. And I get through junior high, and then high school through college, though, just went by like a blink. Like it just flew by. I remember at the end of my first year in Bible school, I remember driving up Academy Boulevard in, in, in Colorado Springs with a friend of mine. And we were, we were heading to... Our, our campus where I had, we had our Bible school. And I remember just telling him, like, man, I don't, man, I don't think I'm going to date for a while. Man, I, I, think it could be, I think it could be a few years before I date. I'm just going just, to spend some time just me and the Lord. You know, I, I think I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to date Jesus for a while. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be dedicated and committed to his word, and just focus in on my relationship with God. We got to the church, and we got out, and I saw Cody Jolene Gates there across the parking lot. (laughs) And I told my friend, I'm going to go talk to her. And he said, what about this season you've been talking about? I was like, oh, that's over. (laughs) That's easy. It's a quick season. It's short. The length of that drive. <laughs> it's a good season, but it's over. <laughs> so who does determine the seasons? God does. Daniel 2.21 says, God controls the times and the seasons. He makes and unmakes kings. So we don't need to freak out about politics. God is in control. He can make them talk when they need to talk. And he can make them shut up when they need to shut up. So Jesus, please help us. But he is in control. Number two, they often are confusing. They often are confusing. There's a lot of times you're in situations you think, why is this happening to me? I don't understand this. Why is this happening to me? I want you to write this down. I think this is really important. Understanding usually follows an experience rather than precedes it. Understanding is almost after the season. I know very few people when they're in one of those seasons where they're just like, I completely understand exactly every, all the reasons why I'm going through this right now. That just almost never happens. It's, it's usually when it's done and you look back and you, you can see God and you can see what he was doing. You can see how he was moving. It usually works that way. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God does everything just right and on time. But people can never completely understand what he's doing. I heard this from a, a spiritual mentor of mine back when I was in Bible school. And I think this is really good perspective. And you can write this down too. What God showed me is simply this. God is God. I'm not God. I'm for God. God. There are going to be things that I can't explain. And I have things that happen in other people's lives around me that I love and care about. And they say, James, why is this happening? And I do not have the answers. And here's the thing. The word won't always give you the specific answers, but the word will always give you the specific principles to hang on and to hold on to. But at the end of the day, God is God. You're not God. 
but you're for God. So you can trust him. You can trust him. Also, there are contrasting seasons. There's contrasting seasons. Life is full of contrasts. Ecclesiastes chapter three, I had you turn to that. Verses two through eight, it lists 28 different life experiences. It doesn't list them all. I'm sure there's way more. And whether there's four seasons, but in your life, there's gonna be dozens and dozens of different seasons. But this is what it says in Ecclesiastes. It says, there's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to laugh and a time to cry. A time to find and a time to lose. And those are the most difficult seasons. Those experiences in life, should I hold on or should I let go? Do I hold on to this dream? Or was it something I was ever supposed to have a dream about to start with? Should I let it go? Do I hold on to this relationship? Or do I let it go? Those are difficult seasons. Rescue teams have to face this all the time. You know, when they're searching for someone, they have to make a decision at one point or another. Do we keep on looking or do we have to stop? It goes on to say a time to keep and a time to throw away. Some of y'all need to declare that over your garages. (laughs) This is what I've noticed. This is what I've noticed. There are hoarders that hold on to everything. And there are chunkers that like to throw away everything. And at New Life Church, chunkers always marry hoarders. It's just the way it works. Like, like everyone around here, like I, I can almost guarantee you in, in the majority of your relationships, one of you is one way, the other is the other way. So who's the hoarders? Come on, be proud. You feel like you got to hold on to some stuff because what if, what if, what if, what if, what if we got to return it? What if we got to, so you got boxes from appliances that you bought 15 years ago. They don't make them anymore. Okay. Okay. So the hoarders, where are my chunkers at? Okay. The people of God that consolidate, that understand that we are storing up treasures in heaven where mouth and rust does not destroy or decay. We don't have to hold on to anything here. Wow. Woo. Almost got my preach on. Watch out. <laughs> you ever been waiting for a season to change? And you're grieving. You're lonely. It feels like spiritual drought. I want to talk about the guardrails to waiting because all of us are going to be in a season. And all of us are going to be waiting. So how do we navigate the waiting in a way that God would want us to? Number one guardrail, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Isaiah 49, 23 says this, those who wait for me shall never be ashamed. You know, what I've noticed is when I get impatient and I want to do something my way when I want to do it, More times than not, I will wind up embarrassing myself. I'll wind up embarrassing people I love because I wasn't being patient. It also says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And it doesn't matter how long you've been waiting 
and how depleted you feel like your strength is. If you will wait on the Lord, he is faithful to renew your strength 100%. No matter how wore out and wore down you feel, if you will wait on the Lord, then he will renew your strength. But you have to wait for him because if you try to do it, Man, you might have a false sense of strength. You might have a false sense of stick to But it won't be strengthening you from within. And eventually that'll wear out too. But if you'll wait on the Lord, let him rebuild your spiritual muscles. Let him give you strength again. Let me ask you this. So when you wait, what are you waiting for? Are you waiting on the Lord Or are you waiting on the answer? Because there's a big difference. Because I find when you are waiting on the answer, you will get discouraged. Like going to the DMV. Like when you're waiting there, trying to find out what piece of paper you don't have that you were supposed to have. That can be incredibly discouraging when you're waiting on the answer versus just simply waiting on the person who has all the answers. Waiting on him. Waiting on him. I feel like we need our waiting to be way less goal-oriented and way more God-oriented. Way more just focused on, God, what do you want to do? Whatever it is. Because I don't want to go outside of God to resolve the issue. I don't want to go outside of his plan to try to make something work the way I think that it needs to work. That can actually delay God's ability to come into your life. That can delay God's ability to move and to work in the way that he wants to move and work when you try to operate outside of his will. Wait on the Lord. Isaiah 64, 4, since the world began, no one has seen or heard of such a God as ours who works, who works for those who wait on him. I'm just telling you this. You could have a whole crew of people working on your behalf, but I promise you, they can't do work like our God can do work. And so you can go and try to get something done and do it on your own or even get a group of people around you. But I promise you, you have never met anybody who wants to work as much for you as God wants to do work for you. But he can't work for you if you're not waiting for him to do the work at the right time. But he does want to work for you. But the opposite of that is also true. Oftentimes... While I'm working, God is just waiting. While I'm striving, God, got to get this. And I can even pray about it, but not pray for an answer, but just pray to let God know what my plan is. And God's just up there like, all right, big boy. Let me know when you're done. As soon as you're done and you're ready to wait again, I'm ready to go to work. The problem is with waiting is there's actually two different pictures of waiting. The English version and the Hebrew version are very different. 
when I picture waiting, I'm picturing like I'm waiting, so bring me some chips and salsa and a Shirley Temple. Laugh at me if you want, but I like those drinks, a little cherry Sprite, it's delicious because I'm waiting. Keep them coming. Keep, keep the chips and salsa coming because I'm waiting. I'm waiting. But the Hebrew version is way more different. In, in the English, waiting means to stop. Like, like if we were getting ready to, to cross the street or we're going across a busy parking lot with my kids. Every parent has said this, wait, wait. Wait for mom, wait for dad, wait. What does it mean? It means stop. In English, that's what it means. Waiting in the Hebrew language means trust. It means trust. Trust. Because really, that's actually what we're asking our kids to do. We're asking our kids, hey, you need to trust mommy and daddy. You need to wait and trust mommy and daddy. But so often for us, we feel like wait means we got to stop again. We're stopping again. We're stopping. But really what we're doing is, is we're trusting. Back a few years ago, I was in Dallas and uh, I was getting ready to cross the street at a stoplight. And as I was waiting there to cross, this man came up to me who was seeing impaired. He was blind. And so he had a service dog with him. And as I was standing there, I was just thinking, hey, there's a big difference between what I'm doing and what he's doing. Because what I'm doing is waiting to cross the street. What he's doing is trusting. <laughs> so I kind of tested it out. Like when it was time to cross the street, like I didn't say anything to do it. I just started walking and saw, wanted to see if the dog, like and the dog knew, but that man just had to wait and trust. When you're in a season of waiting, have you just stopped? (sighs) Or have you entered into trust? Have you begun to trust? One of the most most difficult lessons that we can learn in life is that there's a big difference between God's will and God's timing. And just because something is God's will, don't assume, now God? And just because he might give you a picture of what his will is doesn't mean that he's ready to do it then. That's tough. Can you trust? Can you trust? Guardrail number two, in the seasons of waiting, wait in a crowd. Wait in a crowd. Look, when I wait alone, I get mad. Because it feels more like I just got left. You know how it is when you're waiting... Like you're waiting for your family, you're waiting for somebody, you're there by yourself. That's when you say stuff, do you you have any idea how long I've been waiting here? And it may not have been that long, but when you're by yourself, it'll feel like decades. Because waiting by yourself is, is actually not the way God intended for you to wait. There's an incredible difference between waiting alone and waiting in a crowd. Like if you've ever had to wait for a long time, but you're waiting with people that you love and care about, it changes the whole dynamic. If you're waiting with people you want to be around and that love you and care about you, it don't feel like waiting. It feels like a party. It feels like there's encouragement. 
And in fact, the waiting won't feel as long. Because the encouragement and the love helps pass the time. It helps encourage and lift. But here's the thing. Just waiting in a crowd is not good enough. You got to pick the right crowd to wait in. Because you can pick the wrong crowd to be waiting in. And it will not help you. Uh, A few weeks ago, I was on my way back from Denver. I had a layover. I was waiting there for just like a couple hours. It wasn't that long. But I, I was there with an entire group. I don't know what they were doing or what was going on. But there was a ton of like middle school age kids. I'd say 50 or 60 or, or 7,000 of them. And, and they were just running and screaming. And at that age, the boys and the girls screamed the same way. And, and so they're running and they're screaming and playing tag in the middle of the airport. And so I was asking the same question you're asking right now. Where were their parents? And what I realized after watching some of them run over to where their parents were, all the parents were at this bar. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> and so what did I do? I joined the parents. I'm joking. I didn't. <laughs> I'm joking. No, but I did begin to pray that the rapture would come. Like, God, take me now. Take, take, take me away from this place and leave all these little crumb snatchers here. Leave them all here. Because waiting in the wrong crowd can feel like torture. But this is what I've noticed, man. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. So you can jump on social media and you can find a crowd to land in. And I find that those crowds will love to give you all the answers. Those crowds will love to just perpetuate where you're at in that season of waiting. Oh, I know. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, my goodness. Oh, just none of it's Bible. None of it's ultimate truth. It's just feelings. And it's temporary. You've got to find a crowd to wait in. So let me give you a couple crowds that you can wait in. First of all, there's the Bible crowd. This is a pretty good crowd to hang out with. Men and women of God who had to wait. Who had to wait. That we can read about their examples. Stories of people who waited for God to act. Paul, Nehemiah, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joseph, Mary, Peter, the other Joseph, David, Elijah, Ezra, Isaiah, Aaron, Adam, Esther, Ruth, Hannah, Hosea, Gideon, John the Baptist, Sarah, Leah, Martha, Lazarus. He had to wait in the grave for four days for Jesus to raise him from the dead. That's some waiting. Come on now. Joshua, Samuel, Caleb, Noah, Naomi, Job. They waited. Every one of them. And if you hang out in that crowd and around their story, I promise you, it will encourage you. It'll encourage you. Hebrews 6.15. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received 
what was promised. You know, Abraham was given a, a promise from God, and it just, and he was like, okay, ready. I'm ready to receive the promise. And God's like, no, you have to just keep moving. You're going to move, and you're going to go over here, and you're going to go over there, and you're going to wait, and you're going to wait. And here's the deal. Sometimes in the waiting, some of us will fall. Some of us will fail sometimes. Abraham failed in the waiting. There's some encouragement in knowing that we can, we're going to have some weakness sometimes when we're waiting on God. I want you to write that word down. Or I want you to write the word down, fail. Write it down, fail. Write it down. Abraham failed because he ran around on his wife while he was waiting on God. While Noah was, was waiting on God, he got drunk, took all his clothes off, probably got a razorback tattoo on his lower back. He's a little redneck. He failed. I find that it's in the struggle of waiting where you can take the L off of fail and add a TH. But you get to choose. Because the enemy would love you just, okay, well, if I can, if they're waiting, but if I can get them to fail and then waller in the condemnation and the shame of their failure, I win. You get to choose to take off the L and add the TH. There's another crowd to wait in, the one that is right here. The reason why the word says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints, it's for a lot of different reasons, but one of the reasons is the encouragement that you need, I promise you, is right here in this room. Because there is someone that has had to wait the same way that you're waiting. There is someone who has been through the season that you are in. One of the lies of the enemy is to suggest that, no, you're all on your own on this one. You're the first one in all of human history that has ever experienced what you're experiencing right now. And when that happens, you'll have a tendency to isolate, to pull away. You're in a crowd of people who have waited. Isn't it true, though, that whatever you're waiting on, it feels like Satan will just bring the person along that didn't have to wait at all? Right? Man, I'm just waiting on, I'm waiting on the man or woman that God wants me to marry. I'm waiting on a spouse, waiting on a spouse. You run into this chick's like, oh, really? Well, I met my husband on eHarmony, and within a couple of weeks, he's an oil baron. He's a billionaire. It's awesome. He bought me this ring. It's really cool. Isn't it big and shiny and beautiful? And you're like, I've been waiting for a decade. Or, man, I've been waiting to get pregnant. Waiting. We're in the season. Next thing you know, God will bring this girl along that seems like she failed at everything in life except a pregnancy test. Like that's the only thing that she got right. (laughs) And it can be incredibly discouraging. But there is someone that I promise you can relate to your season. They know what it's like. So let's just take a survey. Who in here has ever had to wait on a spouse? Anybody ever had to wait on a spouse? 
I was going to say wait on a spouse to get saved, but I didn't want Cody to raise her hand. (laughs) Anybody ever waited on a kid to get right with God? Anybody ever waited on a financial blessing that never seemed like it was going to show up? Anybody ever waited on a job? There's people that can relate to your season of waiting. I promise you. First Thessalonians 5.11, so encourage each other and give each other strength. Encourage each other and give each other strength. This is the reason why we do life groups. It's the reason why we want people plugged in, serving together, building the kingdom together. Look, you won't find, you won't find the person in this room necessarily. I mean, we could spend a whole service like, okay, everybody that's waiting on this over here and everybody that's waited on this and then whoever's been through those, go over there and encourage those people. But it's gonna happen in smaller groups and relationships with people. But I'll promise you, if you are in a season of waiting, if you're in a season, whatever it is, I promise you there is a group of people that are a few steps ahead of you in that waiting process that can encourage you, that can lift you up and strengthen you. Guardrail number three, walk while you wait. Walk while you wait. Ever been at a really, really long red light and no one's around? Like you just pull up to light, there's no cars. It's just you and this light. And you feel silly because this light is controlling you. That happened to me a while back and I just ran the thing. (laughs) Had a couple kids in the car. Dad, what are you doing? Kids, I just feel like I'm wasting my life. (laughs) No, I ain't gonna do it anymore. What's tough is when you have no idea how long you're going to be waiting. But most of the time you're waiting because God is up to something bigger than what you can see. Like Joseph in the Old Testament, man, he, he, he spent a few years waiting. He, he got a vision, a dream from God, and then he went through a couple decades of waiting to see anything. But what Joseph didn't realize in the process of it, it was God was not just working for him, but he was working on behalf of his entire people. God wanted to save and rescue his family and his people, not just Joseph. How long would you be willing to wait if it meant the salvation of that family member that you've been praying for? How long would you be willing to wait If a relationship that seemed like it could never be healed is healed and completely restored. Sometimes the waiting has less to do with you and more to do with a bigger picture that'll bless you way more than if you just get what you need in the moment. If you can trust him. But so often it's like, God, I want you to get me from point A to point B and I want you to only do it through positive situations in my life. But when you look at the Bible, I'm sorry, that's just not the way it works. That's not the way God works. He's not just up 
to delivering a blessing, but to developing a person. That's what he's up to. You keep walking with God. You walk in his word. You walk in his his known will. Walk with the nudge of the Holy Spirit. You just keep walking. You walk, you're waiting, but you keep walking. And before you know it, you will walk out of one season and into another. And then you'll see. You'll look back and you'll see. You'll see. Oh, that's what God was doing. Sometimes it is like out of the fire and into the frying pan. But I promise you, the fire has helped you with something that's going to help you in the frying pan. And you need that. You don't need to know all the reasons why you need it. God knows why you need it. And it may not be that you need it. It might be that someone else down the road is going to need your testimony about it. Walk while you wait. What I've noticed is God has had to do a lot of waiting on me. God had to wait for me to completely surrender different struggles in my life. God had to wait for me to get a servant's heart and be willing to make sacrifices for him. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, God is waiting on some of you right now. He's been waiting eagerly, desperately for you to trust him, for you to surrender to him. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. you're here today and you know that the Lord is using this message to speak to you specifically about your relationship with him I want to pray for you but before we get to that I just want to pray for people that you're in a season and you've lost some hope You don't feel very encouraged right now. You believe the truth of of God's word and, and, and what you've heard this morning. It's helped you. But but you still need God to move. And if you're here and you're just in that place, you just need some encouragement from the Lord. Would you just put your hand up? You're just in a season. You're in a season might be a season in a relationship, a season with your spouse, a child, financially, spiritually. Father God, I just thank you for every one of these folks that are in these seasons, God, as they lift their hands, they're lifting their surrender. They're lifting God, their will. They're lifting God, their plan. They're lifting God, their strategy and their strength and complete and total surrender to your strength, to your power to your will. And I thank you, God, that in the season, that in the season, and in the waiting, you're not surprised. Nothing has thrown you off. Nothing has ever come across your throne that you have not already known about. 
that you have not completely and totally equipped and prepared them to be able to not just make it through, but be more than overcomers in the name of Jesus. So God, right now, strengthen them. Strengthen them by your spirit. Strengthen them by the power of your word, God. Your word is irrefutable. It's undeniable. There's nothing the enemy can do to defeat it. There's nothing our own emotions and feelings can do to refute it. So God, we're gonna lean heavily on you. We're gonna lean heavily on your word. And God, we're gonna find the right crowd to wait in. We're gonna find a group of people to wait in that are gonna encourage us and challenge us and remind us of your truth, remind us of your promises, God. I thank you for it. If you're here today, you recognize that you've never surrendered to God and and you're ready to stop making him wait. He wants a relationship with you. He's desperate to have a relationship with you. He's desperate enough that he exchanged his own son for you. If you're here today and you've never done that, you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, surrendered your life to him, or maybe you did, but you have just gotten away from God, you know you're away from him, and maybe you need to come back to him this morning. If you're either one of those people, nobody looking around, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I want you to be bold enough. And if you wanna be included in this prayer, I'm getting ready to pray. Just put your hand up right now. And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Anybody else? Got it. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Back there. I got you. I see you. Anybody else? I need a relationship with God. I know he's been waiting on me and I'm ready to respond. Anybody else? Ready to respond to Jesus? Anybody else? Got it, got it. Thank you, guys. All right, every person just raise your hand. Let's just pray this together. Just tell God, God, here's my life and I know that I've made a lot of mistakes. I know that my sin separates me from you but I also know that you sent your your son, Jesus. He paid the price for all the things that separate me from you. He defeated it all. He defeated my own sin. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. And right now, I, I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And I want to stop and turn away from living the way I've been living. And I want to live in your plan, in your purpose, whatever the seasons may be, whatever the seasons may be, I'm ready to live in those seasons with you. I'm ready to wait on you, God. I'm ready to trust you with my whole life, to dwell in your presence. Thank you, God, for saving me. God, thank you for helping us and strengthening us. We trust you in the seasons, God. We trust you. We trust you even when our hearts or even when our emotions would lie to us. We're going to declare with faith and boldness. We trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust you. I trust you for your timing. I trust you for your provision. I trust you, God. We thank you, God, that we can. You are faithful. You are faithful. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys appreciate God's word? Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning.